welcome to the Thread and Ladle podcast, where we share conversations about living a handmade life and inspire each other to practice daily acts of creativity. I'm your host, Beatrice Perrin Dolan. You're listening to Episode 10, Personal Stories with guest Sophia Talley. Recently, a conversation opened up within the knitting community on Instagram. It was a conversation about race, inclusion, and white privilege within the knitting community as well as the wider craft community. It has sparked widespread conversation as well as personal reflection in so many of us. It has prompted me personally to re-examine my own privileges and actions within not only my business, but my personal life as well. While I have always considered myself an ally, it has made me think hard about the areas in which I need to be doing better as a friend, niece, granddaughter, cousin, knitter, small business owner, and fellow human being. What I want to point out to those of you who also consider yourself allies is that simply not being racist is not enough to actively change prejudice within ourselves and our communities. Active anti-racism work is necessary to dismantle systems and social constructs that actively discriminate against Black, Indigenous, and people of color. I will link to some of the resources I've found helpful in continuing my ongoing education on race and inclusion in the show notes. I truly hope that you will also seek out some of these resources and continue your own personal education about race and white privilege. In my own personal reflections, I've realized that in episode 8, in which I talk with Casey Ryder of Cashmere People Yarns, and in subsequent conversations about Cashmere People, I have had a tone of white saviorism. UrbanDictionary.com defines white savior as this. White savior refers to Western people going in to fix the problems of struggling nations or people of color without understanding their history, needs, or the region's current state of affairs. I wanted to take a moment to formally apologize for that tone. I still believe in the work that Kashmir people is doing, and I will check my tone in future conversations. I believe that the conversation that began on Instagram is deeply important, and I believe that true change will come when this conversation is brought beyond social media. I also believe that one of the best ways to understand the perspective of another person is through story, which is why I have invited my guest to share her story on the Thread and Ladle podcast. In today's podcast episode, my guest Sophia Talley shares her story. Sophia is a knitwear designer teacher, blogger, and podcaster working out of her country-style ranch in an unofficial town in central Indiana. Prior to working in knitwear, she taught preschool and before that was a fashion journalist in New York. When she is not knitting or neurotically checking her emails, Sophia splits her free time between yoga, meditation, and quality time with her husband, two cats, puppy, and angora rabbit. Without further ado, here is Sophia. A memoir from the other, a quick analysis 
of the Evolution of Racism in the Knitting Community. Written and read by Sophia Talley. Grandma Gloria taught me how to crochet when I was a child. She was visiting from her home in Brooklyn, and at the age of seven, she thought it was about time I learned the art of crochet. She met my mom and I at my aunt's apartment in Sayreville, New Jersey. She came prepared with bits of lace and shiny acrylic yarn and crochet hooks. And with my aunt's help, she very patiently taught me how to crochet. After teaching children what learning disabilities, I hate that term, but that's an essay for another time. For a living, I now know that Grandma Gloria had the patience of a saint. Much, much later in life, I was diagnosed with ADD, and now I can't even imagine teaching a squirmy seven-year-old how to make knots with a crochet hook, let alone how to attach lace to those knots. Grandma Gloria learned how to crochet in Panama, where she was raised by her grandmother, who probably passed on fiber arts to her. As a child, Grandma Gloria used to say that soon I would be able to crochet lace, but I never believed her. I couldn't imagine making something so intricate and beautiful with yarn. But even as a child that could barely focus in class, I was able to crochet for hours. I would safely stash my creations in my closet, my own special secret place that I was able to call my own. The crochet stuck, and as I got older, I taught myself how to knit thanks to low-resolution knitting videos on the internet. At this time, I didn't know that I had ADD, but I knew enough about myself that I could learn anything if I could watch it on an infinite loop for hours. And so, I spent $10 from my own allowance on clover knitting needles, and using yarn that I already had, I practiced casting on. Stopping frequently, to rewind the video because this was way before a replay button. Mother's Day that year, my mother told everyone that I had taught myself how to knit. I was sitting at the table, fumbling with a cast on, when her mother, Grandma Shirley, snatched the needles out of my hands and proceeded to teach me the quicker, long-tailed cast on. And later, when I dropped a stitch, she grabbed my needles once again and taught me how to pick it up without the need of a crochet hook. It took years of me knitting in front of Grandma Shirley until she finally opened up about her love for fiber arts. I had just walked into the warm dining room, hearing the voices of all of the women on my mother's side cackle and kiki about love, work, their husbands, and life. It was Mother's Day again, and we all made our annual trek to Aunt Johnny's historical home in Philadelphia. To anyone who had visited there, she would gladly show you the giant hole in her basement wall, an old fossil of a tunnel used by slaves traveling through the Underground Railroad. 
That day, I sat on the large antique radiator, which was often used as a seat, and carefully cradled my I Love Knitting drawstring bag in my lap. Why do you have that bag with you? I heard Grandma Shirley's voice ask. Without looking up, I carefully pulled out my bellow sweater by Hohi and lifted it up so she can see. Her eyes lit up immediately and she snatched it from my hand, a gesture that I have grown to love. I see you use some good yarn for this. Is this merino? She asked, gently petting the project. Yep, it's an affordable washable merino, but still it's soft, I explained. I used to buy this too, years ago, said Grandma Shirley as she handed me back my work. Sensing a change in the mood, my aunts curiously came into the room. I used to take the train from the Bronx all the way to Manhattan so that I can take the good classes with the white women. They used to have beautiful yarn, expensive yarn, and I would sit in those classes and knit with them. And they were all too scared to say a thing to me, but I went for years. And I made sure that all of my girls wore handmade things. It's better, you know. They last longer than the stuff at the store. But yeah, I used to have to go knit with the white woman because I wanted to learn more. She paused, glancing up at the three out of her five daughters who visited that year. For a moment, it looked as if she was imagining them as children wearing her hand knits. I still have that scarf set you made me, Mom. My old mother, my own mother admitted. I think I lost the mittens when I was a teenager, but I still wear the scarf. I felt my own neck itch at the memory when my mom dressed me in warm clothes for school one day ages ago. Now this is the scarf that my mother made for me, see? I remember her telling me years ago as she pointed to the satin sewn on label that read, Me with love by mom. So don't lose it. She added emphasis to this last part by very tightly wrapping the scarf around my neck as if she could permanently attach it to me. I felt the itch of the thick purple wool fiber knit in some stitch that created a fabric that could only be described as steel wool. Soft, it was not, but warm, durable, and built to last. Well, that proof was in the pudding, as I, the second generation wearer of that scarf, never owner, as mom has outright said many times that I would have to rip it out of her cold, dead hands before I could ever own it. See where I get my humor from? Marched out the door with it on a snowy morning, the scarf still looking darn near new. They didn't think I belonged there, Grandma Shirley continued, breaking up my memory. I was always the only black person there, and I was there all the time. I felt my lips move into an involuntary frown as I remembered a recent encounter at a yarn shop in the ritzy side of Indianapolis. It was my first time there, and before being able to step a few feet into the store, the shop owner hurried to me. Welcome, she squealed. Don't I know you? You've been here before, right? She asked excitedly. No, this is my first time, I said bluntly, fairly used to the all black women look alike, right? Trope. The problem was that I ended up going to that same shop many times after that. 
I even sat at a table with this woman, and I was often the only customer in the store, and she never, ever, ever took the effort to get to know who I was. I was just another faceless black body suckered into buying from her because it was the only option that I knew at the time. I wish I could say that this encounter only happened with her, but no. If I was given a skein of yarn every time a white woman claimed to have known me, I would have enough yarn to knit for a lifetime. The other women were so mad, I heard Grandma Shirley continued. They just ignored me for years. But I kept going anyway. I don't go to fiber outings much. Maybe I'm just subconsciously tired of being grouped into the category of that one black woman that knits with us sometimes. I like to knit because it's meditative and creative. I don't quite enjoy being that one black girl that spices up your knitting night every now and then. They just ignored me for years, but I kept going anyway. I know, Grandma. I know. You can find Sophia online at thedrunkknitter.com and on Instagram as drunkknitter. Before I leave today, I wanted to leave you with this quote from White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo. White progressives can be the most difficult for people of color because to the degree that we think we have arrived, we will put our energy into making sure others see us as having arrived. None of our energy will go into what we need to be doing for the rest of our lives, engaging in ongoing self-awareness, continuing education, relationship building, and actual anti-racist practice. White progressives do indeed uphold and perpetrate racism, but our defensiveness and certitude make it virtually impossible to explain to us how we do so. Thank you for joining me today on the Thread and Ladle podcast. I hope you'll join me next time. Thank you for joining me today on the Thread and Ladle podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you'd like to be notified when new episodes are posted or when I publish new knitting patterns, you can sign up for my email list at threadandladle.com slash newsletter. You can also find me on Ravelry and on Instagram under the handle at threadandladle. Until next time, may you find joy and creativity in your days.